Welcome to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. At Village, we seek to be shaped by the life of Christ, to practice authentic friendship, and serve the world. You're invited to join us at either our Mission Campus or our Antioch Campus. For now, we hope you hear a word for your own life in this sermon. Welcome to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. At Village, we seek to be shaped by the life of Christ, to practice authentic friendship, and serve the world. You're invited to join us at either our Mission Campus or our Antioch Campus. For now, we hope you hear a word for your own life in this sermon. Our scripture this morning is uh, the first chapter of Mark's Gospel, and we'll be reading the first eight verses. As we come to this passage, let us first join together in prayer. Gracious God, it is your word that is life for us. Your word is our home. So we pray as we hear again these ancient words of the church, that we would hear an echo of your own voice as your grace calls us by name. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. Listen to this. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in the prophet Isaiah, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized, and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, The one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. The grass withers and the flower fades. But the word of our God stands forever. Amen. So I love this Sunday because this first Sunday of the year, we always ordain and install officers. And as you can see from looking at the order of service, the heart of that installation and ordination service are some questions, and they're not small questions, they're big questions, and in essence, we ask these new officers if they will do the best they can to live every moment shaped by the teaching of Jesus Christ. That's no small ask. It's hard to be Christian all the time. But that's, in essence, what these questions ask. Letting the life of Christ shape us all the time, that was on the heart and mind of the person we call Mark. As I've said, we're going to be preaching through Mark from now until Easter, and we're starting at the beginning, 
And Mark begins, not with the Christmas story, but with John the baptizer in the wilderness, that preacher of repentance. We said a few weeks ago that repentance is a very hopeful word because, at essence, repentance means we can change, that we don't have to be defined and confined by errors of our past. No, each day can be a new day or a new beginning, as Mark says. Actually, the very first word in the Gospel of Mark is the Greek word arche. I know you thought, if I could just learn one Greek word on the New Year's, my day will be set. So, arche is your Greek word, and it means beginning. Now, it may sound like an unimportant word to us. Let's begin here. Let's begin there. But I'm pretty sure that Mark's first congregation, when they heard that, they heard an echo of another beginning, the in the beginning of Genesis, where God from the chaos made life possible. I think it's very intentional on Mark's part. He's saying in the life of Christ, there is a new beginning from the chaos of our lives. Life is possible. It's not a bad way to understand Mark's gospel that amidst the chaos of the world, life, abundant life, is possible. There's an opportunity for newness to start again. That's a gracious thing. So there was a, there was a time in my life where I played golf. Um, I kind of played at, you know what, I, I just took my clubs for a walk. That's what I did. I took my clubs for, for a walk, and I would have dropped out much sooner than I had, except for golf includes a very gracious, beautiful word, and that word is mulligan. Now, if you're not familiar with this, mulligan, it's not really part of the rules of golf. Actually, it's a violation of the rules of golf, I'm quite sure. But mulligan is when you, when you hit your tee shot in the woods or in the water or in someone's backyard whom you think may not want you to take a divot out of their lawn, if, you're, if you're ones you're playing with are kind, they might often say, Tom, that's how it usually starts, Tom, take a mulligan. That means you hit again without penalty. It's just grace. Now, but more than that, it's also an act of hope because one who takes a mulligan, even though recent history gives no reason for you expect it to be any better, you try nevertheless. That's an act of hope. That's repentance. We try again today to get it right, a mulligan, or as Mark says, a new beginning. Mark says the grace of God revealed in Jesus' life means we begin again. It's a good word for New Year's, right? Because when we turn the calendar, we tend to think of new things and new opportunities, maybe new resolutions, as Brooks said. You know, I, I shared last year in recent years, Carol and I have gotten kind of serious about this resolution process. We wake up East, uh, New Year's morning and we get our coffee and toast, go in the living room and sit by the fire, and we start 
sharing hopes that we have for the coming year, things that that we would like to include in the coming year. And so then we began to start making some goals. Now, some of these goals you could anticipate, they start with exercise and diet, and then, and then they're also things we want to experience, maybe a vacation we want to plan. We, we jot it down because I'm in the conversation. It always includes how many books we're going to read in the coming year. And, and because she's in the conversation, it always includes repairs we're going to make to our 100-year-old house. And so we get sort of a, a plan. But before we get to the plan, we pull out the goals that we established for the past year, last January, the goals we established for the past year. And so I did that yesterday, and I looked at my goals, and I wondered if someone else had jotted them down. Because I did horrible, terrible on my goals. Some of them I didn't even do at all, and many of them I only did part way. And last year, I thought I had a very reasonable plan. It is possible that I'm not unique in this circumstance, that we all have dreams for ourselves that we don't always live up to, particularly when the conversation is not just about what we want to do, but who we want to be and how we want to live in this world in the way that the world might be suspicious that we trust Jesus. That the world might look at us and just wonder, maybe those folks are Christian. When we put it that way, all of us now and then need a mulligan. We need a do-over or try again. Mark was the very first gospel written, and the very first word of the very first gospel is beginning, new beginning. Mark promises that we do not have to be defined by our failures. None of us is defined by the worst in us. No, God is good at making new beginnings, even in us. It might have been my first year in ministry. It was certainly in my first couple of years. I was visiting with a young couple about their upcoming wedding, and we were going over all the details of how it was going to to go. And I asked what I thought was a very innocent question. I I looked at her, and I said, so is your dad going to walk you down the aisle? And she got quiet. And then, surprising to both of us, I'm pretty sure, tears began to come. And I said, what is it? She said, he's not going to be there. She said, he, he wasn't there for my 16th birthday. When graduation came, he said he would come, but something else must have come up. When I had surgery on my back, the waiting room was empty. She said, the truth is, he hasn't been part of my life for about 12 years now. He won't be there. I said, I wish I hadn't. I said, have you asked him? As soon as I said it, I regretted it. It seemed insensitive. She said, Tom, there's one thing I've learned about this. This is something I can't fix. It was months later, I 
walked past her in the narthex of that church. And she looked at me and started crying again. She said, I cry around you all the time. (laughs) Standing down at the front of the church was a man who had promised to love her in plenty of want, joy, and sorrow, sickness, and health. But standing next to her was a man who had for about 12 years given her every reason to believe she didn't matter to him at all. But he was there. I was glad he was there for the first time in a long time. He was there. I was glad about that, but mostly I was impressed by her. Because she could have, she could have let her disappointment control her. She could have let her long years of injury define and confine the possibilities for this new day. But in a courageous act of hope, she risked it one more time. Daddy, can you be there? Daddy, I want you to be there. And he was. Now, I can't tell you that everything was roses after that. You know those things are more complicated than that. But it was a moment of grace. It was a new beginning, as Mark would say it. It's the kind of thing that God makes possible in our lives. In a few moments, we'll ask some new officers some big questions. They'll include, will you serve the people with energy, intelligence, imagination, and love? They're going to say yes. They're not going to say, what exactly do you mean by intelligence? They're just going to say yes. We're going to ask, will you work for the reconciliation of the world? They're not going to ask, like, the whole thing? They're just going to say yes. We'll ask, do you trust in Jesus Christ and acknowledge him Lord of all? And they'll say yes. We never say yes because we look at our history, our own personal history, and it indicates we're the kind of people that live up to these kinds of questions. No, we say yes because we trust that new beginnings are something God is very good at. It's the promise of the very first word of the very first gospel. Pray with me. Gracious God, we believe, help our unbelief. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. Learn more about us at villagepres.org. And we invite you to join us again next week. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. Learn more about us at villagepres.org. And we invite you to join us again next week.